everyone. My name is Chris, and I'm here with Brett. And, Hi, guys. Uh, we're here to talk about faith and film. We're going to drop right in. So if there's a term or a person you didn't quite catch, it'll all be explained on our website at fanboytheology.com and just go to the corresponding episode. And today's episode, we are talking about Star Wars. Brett and I are just huge Star Wars fans, uh, and also my wife loves Star Wars. And basically, I would think if you're not a citizen of Earth... You pr- yeah, that's probably the only reason you won't like Star Wars, and you probably still will like Star Wars. Uh, so I've been spending much of my adult life trying to figure out how, uh, how and why that Star Wars seems to impact the entire world. The, the, it seems to set a precedent for what is called an archetype. The archetype of Luke Skywalker we've seen in stories all across the millennia of humanity existing and in fact there's a man named joseph campbell who we both admire and read a lot of his writings who happens to be uh george lucas's jedi knight so george lucas is a padawan uh, of joseph campbell so which joseph campbell he happens to have this theory of uh it's called the hero's journey is his book and he has this theory called the monomyth and the monomyth is just saying all stories everywhere that they come from one single story and it's mankind trying to get at this story we all have it ingrained in our hearts and uh that hero's journey no matter what movie you're watching or story you're telling on the by the campfire or video game that you're playing there's always this one hero's journey that goes through it and we often uh, we call that person who's going through that the protagonist you may have heard that term in english literature the only thing that seems to be needing clarifying is is the antagonist this is the kind of the definition that we're going with is that the protagonist is our main character that's going through change and the antagonist is not the villain but the agent of change in a story so if somebody asks you who is the antagonist of Star Wars, it's not Darth Vader, it's not the Emperor, it is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Why? Because in the hero's journey, in Act 1, the protagonist is in need of an internal change, but he doesn't know what to do, where to go, who to go see. Well then, who to go see shows up, and in the form of Star Wars, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. You must learn the ways of the Force if you're going to become a Jedi like your father. And Luke even denies it at that point. No, no, no. I don't want an internal change. I don't want to know about this Force. I have work to do. There's always an obstacle that stops him. Well, and then you have Obi-Wan as the antagonist, as the one that's kind of, even though he's struggling against that, dragging him through towards that change and really pushing him towards it. Yes, and you'll see that across the fruited plain of stories everywhere, of this agent of change pulling the protagonist towards the inevitable internal change he must do. But as we go along the hero's journey, we see in Act 2, the protagonist always makes an external change in hopes of curing his need of an internal change. And we see that in the form of Luke of... He goes and he joins the rebellion and he rescues a princess. He's not quite a Jedi yet. He's just doing the cool thing. And we even see that in earlier uh, conversations he has about his friends. Going to the Tashi station, Biggs goes off to the Imperial Academy but then defects to the rebellion. That's in a deleted scene. But Luke has that longing desire not only to be a Jedi but to join this rebellion, which is an incomplete external change that, okay, I'm going to go join this political movement. Well, then in Act 3, every protagonist finally makes the internal change, which ends up solving the problem of the narrative, which in this case, so perfectly, it not only solves his 
uh, internal problem, it solves his external problem as well. It stops the Empire from destroying Yavin 4. So the thing we really wanted to focus on is not Luke Skywalker, which is an awesome character, but an even more awesome character that we all seem to be drawn towards, the scoundrel Han Solo. Yeah, and I think the big thing that makes Han interesting is the fact that he goes from being a character that is so totally against what Luke believes. And, I mean, he's got quote after quote, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no good for a good blaster at your side. I've flown through the galaxy from one side to another, seen a lot of strange stuff, but nothing to make me believe in one all-powerful force. He he doubts everything until you get to the latest Star Wars movie, and he has awesome. a complete, complete change of belief. They used it in the trailer of everything you've heard is real. And that that change is something that I want to explore a little bit with with his character, because for the first three movies, you really don't see him really changing much. But then all of a sudden, through the course of that, he has a complete 180 from uh, where he was at. How Han lives his life is a bunch of simple tricks and nonsense. That's what gets him through his life. I will only believe something if I see it, because he's been from one end of the galaxy to the other, and nothing he has seen and I mean, Han's a 30-something, whatever, cocky dude who flies around and smuggles stuff. And you know what? We've grown up in a world encouraging us to be Han Solo. Just get through life, get money, and keep floating. That, that's the lesson yeah. that we're told uh, by the world, by uh, our schools, everything. Yeah, I mean, almost every self-help book, that's like their mantra. Pull up your bootstraps and get going. And not saying that's a bad thing, but just to look at that in our lives, if we're going to go follow that path and go down there, what's the inevitable conclusion? Well, great, we're going to keep floating, but there's no development in our character. Mm -hmm. And the protagonist, what happens through the course of that journey and what Luke goes through, it's a character development. And yeah. not just character in the sense of Luke's a character, but his internal character who he is as a person. And to see something as beautiful as Han going through these three movies, and then all of a sudden, he's our guide in The Force Awakens, and not only our guide, but Finn and Rey, he's guiding them all through this world that they have not seen before. Han showing that, yeah, he's seen it, and now he believes it. And he, not only is that, he's the quote-unquote evangelist of this movie. And when I say evangelist, think about what Luke was doing in uh, A New Hope. What's the first line that he says about the Force after he starts deciding to follow uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and become a Jedi? Is he tries to proselytize Han Solo. Luke does it the wrong way. You don't believe in the Force, do you? It's very... It's in your face. It's, it's, in it's your almost fa like a sarcastic... Yes. Like... How could you be so dumb as to not believe in this? But, I mean, think about that. Luke is also a 30-something who just mm -hmm. was told 10 hours ago by this old man that the Force exists. And, it, like, even the, the the Force? He's got that confused look on his face. But here he is being an expert. But there are better ways and more successful ways to evangelize. And we see that in that journey from A New Hope to The Force Awakens, something causes Han to become a believer in the Force. And what I think that was, and what we can assume it is, Han Solo watching Luke live out the life of a Jedi. 
that's when the force became real to Han Solo. And Christ calls us to live the life of a hero. It, we're not, we are called to be a Luke Skywalker in our story because we need to go through a character change as well. And in essence, with the story of Luke, he becomes a disciple of the force. Absolutely. And starts living it out. Yes. And that's what Han sees. And that's what finally, conv- I think, convinces Han of, no, this isn't just some hokey backwater mythology. This is absolutely true. This is legit. And I mean, it it's just comes down to one point of he watched Luke live his life out as a respectable human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. It, even to the point of today, salesmen know that getting in people's faces doesn't work anymore. So if these guys who are peddling their wares know that getting in your face doesn't work, why are we trying to do it? And you know what they'll tell you works? It's friendship. It's, uh, and I watched it happen on Facebook the other day of a realtor. Somebody just threw out a suggestion of, hey, I need help knowing what to improve in my house because one day I want to sell it. And a realtor comes onto that person's Facebook and says, hey, you know, you know what? Here's where you need to go. This is a good contractor guy. Just do work on your, uh, I forget what it was, kitchen and bathroom, something like that. And then, all right, thanks. If you ever need anything, here's my phone number. Then drop the mic, walk away. We watch Jesus do that. He's not in anybody's face. He'll even tell a story. Why don't we do that anymore? Why are preachers so stuck on intellectualize the gospel and that's what's going to change people? It's no, 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 no. What the gospel really does and how it's a transformative thing is that when it is in a story form, it goes right to your heart. We yeah. want heart change. And it, it, that's, that's the thing the gospel does is heart change. Well, and it's the way that we are able to relate to it. As a story, I mean, we, the way we look at our own lives, are that our lives are a story. And so why not, looking at another story, we can just pull those things into our own life and go, oh, these things are similar. This is the same. Yes. That, that's what made Jesus' teaching so applicable was the fact that he was telling stories, but he was telling stories that people could easily just look at and say, oh, this makes sense to my life. I, I understand this. Yes, absolutely. And I saw a sweet Tumblr post the other day of somebody was talking about a certain movie franchise. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, wouldn't it be cool if we lived in that universe? And then somebody comments back, it's not about you living in that universe. When you watch that movie, you got to go through that journey with them. And it's you get to be right alongside Luke Skywalker. You get to know his character change and you can incorporate it into your life it's almost a sermon a two-hour sermon which i don't know if you've ever been to a church with a two-hour <laughs> sermon most people are falling asleep but people don't do that in a movie theater because narrative because story that is ingrained in our being there's an awesome quote from joseph campbell preachers err by trying to talk people into belief better they reveal the radiance of their own discovery live it out what I love about Joseph Campbell is this idea of he went through and said this whole thing of, you know, there's only one story within all of humanity and we're all trying to tell it and we're trying to rip this mask off of whatever's in our hearts and we're putting it into these stories to tell it. Of course, Joseph Campbell's conclusion was that Jesus was one of these stories that we tell ourselves, but why don't you take it one step further? What if because of all of these traits, who he even says, 
it fits in with Jesus. Jesus fits into this. This story that the Bible tells fits into it. What if Jesus is that thing we've all been looking for? And here all of these stories are mirrors, are shadows of that light that Jesus casts. It, it, it's only one more step that, you, that the, we need to do to take that to its conclusion. And I would even say the, the cool thing about the Bible is that it's in a three-act story structure. If you go back to that lesson we just said of an antagonist is an agent of change, not a bad guy. If mankind is a pr the protagonist of the Bible and God is the antagonist, the agent of change, here we start in Act 1 in the Bible. The mankind wants to have a relationship with God. How do they do that? Well, they tell it right off the bat. Abraham, he was faithful. But what do we do? We set up the Tower of Babel. We, we on our own pride go, we'll reach God. We'll reach the heavens. Yeah. On we try our and own be the, the protagonist and the agent of change. Yep. And funny you should say that. Wait till we get to Act <laughs> 3. Uh, in Act 2, humanity is still trying to get to God. And we thought it was this law, but no, God was just doing that to keep us safe and to help us point out who the Messiah was going to be. And then here we come, Act 3. What happens? Not the protagonist tries to be the antagonist. The antagonist becomes one of the protagonists in that he becomes humanity. He becomes and clothes himself in humanity and is able to show us the proper way all the way back in the beginning of Abraham lived by faith. Well, Jesus tells us to live by faith. That's not a New Testament concept. God hasn't changed from Old Testament to New Testament. It's just been that one message the entire time. How do you have a relationship with God? Through faith. That is what makes you righteous. Well, and the whole idea of the antagonist becoming like the protagonist is kind of like with Obi-Wan when he allows himself to be killed to become part of the Force and then further influence Luke. You're absolutely right. And what's even more awesome about that is, hey, Obi-Wan almost becomes the Holy Spirit at that moment. And look, it, it's, it's not, we're not going to try and baptize Star Wars or say it's a Christian work. We know it's not. It, but we're just simply looking, look at how mankind, how George Lucas in this moment in telling his story is taking a play, play right out of the Bible, mm -hmm. out of the Bible's playbook, of the, of the Bible's story of here, Obi-Wan, he's not powerful enough to help Luke by staying in his own body. What ends up happening? Now he's become one with the Force, and mm -hmm. Luke can physically hear a voice. Yeah. Well, he really changes the way that he's able to interact with Luke. He's not limited to um, a particular time and space. Yes. It's that, that change can be taking place all the time because he can always be there. And I even had a conversation with a, a Christian one day, like, you know, how cool would it have been if Jesus had just stayed here? <laughs> we wouldn't have to go, hey, let me tell you about our friend who is in heaven right now and I can't show you him, but that's not faith. We now have millions of Jesus all across the world. By living through the Holy Spirit, we can be his representatives. And that's exactly what Luke ends up being, but for the force. So to recap what we've talked about today is uh, like we talked about, oh, hang on. so to recap what we talked about today, Luke Skywalker is the 
archetype of a perfect protagonist, and that's because George Lucas is a Padawan of Joseph Campbell, who Joseph Campbell is, propagates the monomyth theory, or the what the hero must go through, and what we then ascribe that hero the title protagonist, and that protagonist as an antagonist, an agent of change who brings them through their journey. Now, Han Solo gets to be cool because he's not the one who goes through the change in A New Hope through Return of the Jedi. It's Luke. Mm. We're watching that happen. But then, through all of that, we finally get to see Han Solo in The Force Awakens, yes. Episode 7, a changed man, because not because of how Luke was a good evangelist or could eloquently give the, gos- give the gospel of the Force in great terms it was luke got to be a respectable human being and han saw it that's what got han to really realize hey not only is the force real but the jedi the the force all of it it's real right and he in essence becomes an antagonist in he's the he's the agent of change yeah. for for the new for finn ray yeah. i would say it's more finn than anybody um, right, but, but pushes them towards that belief in the Force as well, and that it's not just a myth. Yeah, and both of them get to wield a lightsaber, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, that that all being said, the the theological point to take away from that is just the fact that we live in a world encouraging us to be like Han Solo, and that is pull up your bootstraps, get a job, keep floating, all those things. Instead... We need to be a, our, a hero of mm-hmm. our story. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and change our character and help us to become more like Christ or, in words of Star Wars, be more open to the Force. Mm-hmm. Well, and then as we do that, we become better disciples. And as we become better disciples of Jesus, those other characters in our lives that are the Han Solos that are living, trying to pull themselves up, are going to see the consistency that we have in our lives. And that's going to lead them to question their own beliefs and hopefully come to the same realization that we have, that Jesus is the way for us to complete our story. He is the completion of that story. Thank you guys for listening. We look forward to doing many more. Again, if you want to check us out, we're at fanboytheology.com, where I'm sure we've said some weird things. If you want to hear the actual explanation and some sources of it, uh, please go there, check out the blog, and you'll see uh, Star Wars, uh, Hokey Religions and Ancient Weapons is what it will be called. So uh, we hope you have a great day and uh, hope you continue to listen to Fanboy Theology. This is Chris. This is Brett. And see you next time. It's a promise. <laughs>